of the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Visit their new location at 224 West King Street, Martinsburg, and online at suttonandjanelle.com. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kabalik. It is Wednesday the 23rd. You are tuned in to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton & Janelle, a full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs, family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. Visit their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. Marsha, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, it, seems, uh, it seems like you're trying to get that uh, mint figured out I here am, real quick. I'm, I'm going to get it finished. <laughs> I'm not going to let it affect my broadcast. So how was your day yesterday? It was busy. Oh my gosh. I had to jet out of here and go to an appointment in Frederick. So I was on South Mountain and it was raining really hard and mm-hmm. there were a lot of trucks. And then my, my gas time went ding. You didn't run out of gas, did you? Okay. So I'm hoping my husband's not listening. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to preface it by that because I, we've said we've established before he and I are two different people when it comes to the gas because I'm like, you know, riding on a prayer kind of right. thing. He's like, you know, it looks like we're a quarter down. We probably ought to top it off. Right. right? So that's just Say, I'm the type of person that once my gas tank, well, it's a little different now that I have a car that tells me how many miles I have uh-huh. to empty. But before I had a car that told me that uh, I once it got under half a tank, I was starting to panic and I had to go fill it up. So I'm like, you know, 10 miles till I'm there. Cause I was, I had my GPS on, right? <clears throat> I think I can do this. And then, and then to get to the appointment, cause I, I didn't want to get there like too late. Right? right. I probably passed by seven gas stations and I thought, Marsha, if you run out of gas today, <laughs> it won't be because God didn't give you a bunch of gas stations. You could have <laughs> slid into any one of them and it'll and be you your and fault. You would have only been like, Maybe five minutes late. If yeah, that. but I just didn't have that kind of margin. And I'm like, you know what? No, God will get me through this. <laughs> What's that song? Um, the, uh, Kelly Clarkson. Was it Kelly Clarkson? Or Carrie oh, Underwood? Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Jesus, fill this tank up surreptitiously so, while I'm... <laughs> so, it's, uh, did you run out of gas? I did not run out of gas. Good. And, and that's it's probably... Not a good thing that I, do. you know, it, 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 this just encourages me for right. next now time. Like, so yeah, then I'm like, my, my tank, it's got a little res, residual, you know, right. it, it, a little bit that hides from that, from the gas gauge. So now I'm encouraged to just keep doing this. And that's Goodness. not a good life lesson for Have me. Have you ever ran out of gas on the road? That's one thing I've no, never done. And it once. terrifies me to think about it. I ran out of gas when dad and I were, were test driving a car mm-hmm. and the, the, the place where we were trying to buy it hadn't filled up the tank and we were going up this hill. I was driving it. I'd never run out of gas before in a car. Right. And it starts going and we're going up a hill and, and my dad looks at me like this, this car's out of gas. Oh, no. So we were close enough to the, to the um, 
car dealership. He just walked down the hill and around right. and told him, and they came and filled it. We bought the car. Oh, but that's the only well, time I've ever. I hope ever it was a little bit discounted. If yeah, uh, I, well, I, we got a free tank of gas. <laughs> <There you laughs> true. Say, so, uh, friends of mine back in college, friends of mine uh, ran out of gas, and they were only like they were right, literally in between their apartment and a gas station. So it was <sighs> probably like a mile and a half, two miles each way, right? Oh, man. And uh, I didn't realize it, but I was leaving you know the school going to do something and i saw them walking out the, of the shoulder of the road with huge trash bags right and i stopped, what? I stopped <laughs> or, uh, like grocery bags and i stopped i'm like what are you guys doing and i look and inside these gas or these trash bags are water bottles filled with gasoline so they must like normal water bottles you'd get at you know a gas station to drink out of so they just bought a bunch of water bottles and then filled those up with like did the station attendant think something was up well they must have walked in asking for like a tank and they didn't have one so like hey i guess we'll just uh, buy out all your water bottles how does that physically work if these are like the little one liter or Mm -hmm. less bottles of water how does the nozzle even great question just into that no idea but i thought that was the funniest thing there was like 40 water bottles filled with gasoline okay but here's back. here's the other thing unless the gas station they went to did not have like a, a a, one of those little um red yeah you know portable like jerry cans or whatever like, they're called yeah one two gallon or whatever they probably spent more oh, on that. purchasing those and and taking the risk of trying to walk them down the yeah. yeah. Wow. Who knows? Just, but uh, wow. that's one. That's one. Uh, I guess situation that terrifies me is uh, having to run out of gas. I thought you were going to tell me they had grass uh, that they had um, trash bags full of gas. Which well, would we be saw reminiscent. people say uh, when the gas shortage <laughs> happened. I I hope that those. Well, I know a lot of those videos that came out staged. of people filling up. Yeah, I hope they were staged, but you know that they weren't. You know there were some people. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine? Like, and I saw one too. This one had to have been staged. But I saw one when the gas shortage all happened. That some lady was uh, filling up a uh, laundry basket, like a tall laundry basket with the holes in it. Fill it had a no. the gas nozzle in it. I don't know. I hope it was. that had to <laughs> be staged. Come on, been. had to have been. But uh, yeah, uh, our first guest, unfortunately, well, we are I guess not real sure right now, but uh, had a little bit of a family emergency, uh, and it was going to be Michael Harp with the Maryland Symphony Orchestra. But he they, might still call in, might yeah, still be in, but we'll, we'll get him see. next week if we can't get him today. Absolutely, but uh, he was going to come in and talk about the uh, Salute to Independence, which this year it's a little different. Usually, it's out uh, at Antietam Battlefield, but this year it's going to be out at Hagerstown Community College. That's really cool. Um, February, uh, it's <laughs> Friday, July second. That would February would not be appropriate, Mm-mm. right? But well, is there is there not an appropriate time to salute independence? Okay, you make a good point. <laughs> so Friday, July second, at Hagerstown Community College's amphitheater, it opens at six. The concert begins at eight with fireworks that follow uh, at nine thirty, and it's the MSO. Uh, they'll be joined by Broadway star and Nashville recording artist. Rachel Potter, the concert is free for in-person attendance and will be live streamed at no cost on YouTube and MSO Live. And they're inviting the public to bring friends and family to, air quotes, tailgate in the parking lot on campus. Now, of course, it's uh, with the air quotes because you are on a on school grounds and tailgating on school grounds for this doesn't mean, you know, like a football tailgate. It's more of a hangout, maybe bring like a little grill and uh, do some hamburgers and hot dogs and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it, it, those are always a fun time. I went out to one uh, way back in the day when they were doing them still uh, out at Antietam Battlefield. And they, it, it's impressive. I mean, the Maryland Symphony Orchestra is just great uh, mm-hmm. anyways, but especially when it uh, has, 
you know, this uh, the July 4th, and then it got the fireworks going off the and everything. sweeping music. It's oh, really my cool. goodness. Yeah, that'll really get you in the mood. That's awesome. Yeah, and then later on today, we're going to have Becky Sipperly, who is a uh, West Virginian and former national president of the League of Women Voters, which uh, voting is a hot topic right now. Right. So, um, you know, of course, the procedural vote uh, yesterday kind of put the kibosh on the whole idea of that uh, act moving forward in the uh, in the U.S. Congress. Mm-hmm. So we'll get her response to, you know, what that means and going forward, because I can't imagine this is the last bite at this apple. No, I don't think so either. I'm sure. I mean, it, it's all it always comes up. And then, of course, it was amplified uh, this past election, but it always comes up uh, every you know, well, every year, really talking about uh, voter, I guess, rights and voter, you know, stipulations relations and things like definitely that. we'll we'll hash this out too but yeah. during the pandemic of course some things got changed a lot more people were voting remotely you know right. mail-in ballots and that which kind of ushered in look we can do things uh, more in this vein instead of just in person and there are lots of sides about this you know um, voter suppression versus voter security and right. all of that so we'll talk to her about that as well um, something that we talked about yesterday that you ended up in a little bit of a conversation with someone on, on oh, Facebook um, was was the, the um, trans Allegheny lunatic asylum down in Weston West yeah Virginia. Weston because we talked about that Bob O'Connor one of our historians was on yesterday and he was he was talking about how West Virginia ended up with it and then ended up having to pay Virginia back for it. And then the the conversation actually devolved to how creepy it is. It, it's uh, a very creepy place. And I was talking um, with uh, our general manager, Jared Parsons, who's from uh, that part of the state. And he said that uh, apparently, and I didn't know this because he stayed an overnight, uh, like, I don't know if you would call it like a ghost tour or something, but uh, <laughs> he, stayed, he said he stayed overnight there before and they told him that there's a bridge uh, in the backside of the uh, Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum that when it was open, they would let some of the uh, patients walk that bridge into town uh, to, you know, do some shopping or go get something to eat or something like that. And he said that uh, locals used to be not necessarily creeped out, but I guess intrigued with, um, you know, seeing these patients in their, you know, robes and everything still just kind of meandering uh, through downtown Weston, which I'm sure would have been uh, a sight back in the day. It had to be cool for the for the folks who were oh, in the doubt. institution to be oh, able to go there. But yeah, I imagine there were lots of folks that planned around not being there when, when the oh, residents yeah, ended I'm up. sure. So I was trying my best to find the, the post. <clears throat> well, there was a, well, no, there was a post yesterday on one of the Win- Winchester pages that said that um, there was a one of those uh, television shows that do ghost hunting, yeah. and that they have been filming in in downtown Winchester, and someone actually had uh, taken a picture, and I wish I could find it now. Of, of it was a brick building, and you could see the image of a person. In the Oof. window, and it wasn't there. wasn't supposed to be anyone there. Oof. And and the person who did the image said they did not see the the image. The, the person who did the picture said they didn't see the image while they were filming. And then once they looked back, they ended up seeing it on the yes. On That's the film. a ghost. That's a ghost. If I've ever heard one. Okay. I wonder who the TV show was because I mean you have the Ghost Adventures <laughs> see, guys, now, which now are bad. like Zach Baggins or Baggins and uh, forget the other guy, Aaron something uh, that are on Travel Channel that are they're mainly out west. But there's uh, what's the other one? Oh, I can't remember. Um, I don't know. There's another ghost one that does a lot of East Coast. I think the guys are from uh, Rhode Island or something. So maybe it was those guys. I don't know. I have to look that up. But I love that kind of stuff. I love doing those ghost tours and things like that. You ever seen one? No. And I you know, I will say someone in my family had passed away and some someone else, an elderly woman in our family said that this person visited her. 
And and I thought, thank God it wasn't me because I would just join the dearly departed. <laughs> I, I that would just freak me right out. Well, that's an interesting topic, especially uh, like when you start getting into the whole medium thing and uh, you know stuff like that. And I saw a thing the other day, uh, Annabelle. If you you know about the Annabelle story, there no. was a couple of movies, scare movies that came out recently uh, called Annabelle. But apparently, it's this uh, doll. Um, Raggedy Ann doll from back, uh, I don't know, a long time ago that was apparently possessed by some demon or whatever, right? And then uh, these paranormal hunters took the doll and put it in their paranormal, you know, museum and had it in this big old, like, locked up case uh-huh. with, like, crosses all around it so it wouldn't get out and things get like out. that. And uh, then this rumor went around that it escaped and nobody knew where it was. So you never know. You never know what that kind of stuff. You never know what you're going to find out uh, out in the paranormal world on any given day. But stick around. We'll have some more here on Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Live with hosts Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, a full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland. Because their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. And uh, we were talking after the break that uh, insect season is definitely in uh, in the Panhandle. Although it seems like, unfortunately, our buddies the cicadas are uh, done. Which is nice for walking around or riding around town because mm-hmm. you're not getting pelted uh, with cicadas anymore but it's a little sad it's like a friend uh going away you know i i was walking the dog the other day and uh my husband watched me he was, he was sitting in the yard and and a cicada this has been probably four days ago mm-hmm. a cicada just flies up lands on my shirt looks at me and i'm like hey bud and then i was getting ready to kind of shake it off and and then he just flew off and like that was my goodbye. Yeah, I was gonna say, wow, how sad is that? My goodness. He was very. He didn't even scream at me. <laughs> so yeah. We, well, good as always, made me start tearing up. I, it was very emotional. Yeah. For me too. Yeah. My goodness, but uh, yeah, skaters seem to be gone, which uh, is a little inconvenient because that takes a lot of my uh, uh, talking points away. away. <laughs> It's just, we've milked that. <laughs> I can't uh, just immediately ask if I've run out of questions with somebody uh, about cicadas because uh, they're gone. But we can bring up uh, apparently ticks and mosquitoes. Now, uh, there's a list that's out uh, somewhere on the Internet saying uh, r- uh, ranking the top states that are going to have the most mosquitoes or whatever. And uh, well, this isn't the state, but Washington, D.C. got up there at four. Uh, so at number four on the list for most mosquitoes, apparently. So uh, if you're out and about, be ready for the mosquitoes and especially the ticks. Yeah. The ticks are actually uh, really, really, really bad this year. So make sure if you're out in the woods or just walking around, you're checking your you know, pets, yourself, uh, your clothes and all that, because nobody wants uh, to get bit by a tick. And if you do get bitten, make sure you pull the whole thing out and, and make sure that you you know, clean that area up really mm-hmm. well because there are consequences. These ticks around here carry diseases. And there's a there's a another tick, an invasive species tick. I think it's called like the black horned tick or something like that. That apparently is like exponentially worse than any of the other ones. Yeah, like the came Terminator over from tick. Yeah, so if you see one of those, well, that's definitely one you got to uh, keep an eye out on. But yeah, especially for you. I mean, you're out in the yeah. woods a little bit. I was telling you, I, I've been bitten by three already, like mm. in, the, in the last month. It's no not thanks. fun. I, uh, I thought I found one on my dog fairly recently. I think it was just uh, after investigating. I think it was just a cut. But, man, it is so hard mm-hmm. to get ticks off of pets. Right. 
especially one dog like mine that uh, loses it, is scared of his own shadow most of the time. So you try to <laughs> pin him down to get a tick off him, and then he's sprinting away from me. And then I'm always scared. Somebody told me a long time ago that if, you, if you're trying to get a tick off a, a dog, uh, in my example... That if you you have to make sure you get it in one go because if you like are if you leave to, the head in well that and then if you like uh, just cut the tick or like if you scrape it or like cut it in half if you're trying to get it with tweezers just or something it. right yeah that then it will shoot all of its like venom or whatever into the dog and then wow. it's even worse yeah so uh, be on the lookout hurrah. yeah be on the lookout Dang. for uh, all of that no and no reason given why DC is going to be just infested with mosquitoes <laughs> I was trying to remember that uh, no I think it had a, it was a multitude of different things it was like uh, searches of course it's always like Google searches for that kind of stuff but then uh, climate had something to do with it I mean it's been it got so hot so fast around mm-hmm. here and then with all the uh, rain so there's pools of water so there's going to be larva everywhere and things like that so <sighs> Who knows? I can't stand it. So make sure you have uh, your bug spray. And if mm-hmm. you need any, Marsha, I have about 40 bottles <laughs> of uh, bug spray that's just always in my car. I always forget to use it, uh, but it's always in there. So if you ever need it, uh, I got you covered on bug spray. We went kayaking the other day. And of course, th- our friends ran into us. Just it was one of those kismet things. And um, the daughter, she's I think she's 23 now. She had put um, some sort of sunscreen on. That was, you know, uh, had a nice fra- fragrance to it. Oof. And um, the That's flies not were not leaving her alone. I said, it looks like you're dead because they were just all over her. It wasn't until she just covered herself over with a towel while she was kayaking that they actually started leaving her alone. Yeah, that's what I've always been. Now, I'm not the most uh, outdoorsy person in the world. I'm sure that's, the, if you know me, that's not a real big surprise. But I've always been told that if you are going outdoors uh, to make sure you don't have any scent, like fragrance mm-hmm. or anything coming off of you because then you're just going to have everything in the woods coming over to yep. you. Goodness, but... Uh, yeah, no, I've uh, been looking around this morning at just some stuff to talk about since, unfortunately, uh, Michael Harp with the Maryland City We can't City talk about Orchestra. cicadas. I know, we can't talk about cicadas. <laughs> People are tired of me talking about bikes. So I'm always talking about, that's my default. It's either cicadas or bikes, it seems. Uh, but yeah, apparently some principal uh, up in New York tried to end school a week early. Can you imagine? Well, hold on. That doesn't sound awful, except like the logistics for the parents. But like the kids are probably like, yay. They apparently sent an email out to parents that said there wouldn't be any in-person or remote classes this week. But uh, the kids still had to sign in to, uh, quote, satisfy attendance requirements. So what's the point in that? Had he cleared that with the district? Because this it is one principal like, like doing this unilaterally. It doesn't seem like it, yeah. But apparently uh, everybody was posting on Facebook saying that he's the best principal ever. See, so, uh, that, and that's going to be what they're going to post. They're going to be like, this is this is principal of the year. And then, you know, quietly in some, um, you know, board of education personnel meeting, they'll, you know, tell him that was not a good plan. Now, I do uh, have a local thing to talk about instead of uh, somebody up in New York, uh, you know, canceling school week early. Uh, it's the Discovery Station over in Hagerstown. Their 25th L- uh, anniversary celebration is going to be going on. It's on uh, Sunday, August 1st. Uh, there's going to be, uh, it's free, and there are going to be donations for uh, new children's books in support of the United Way, Day of Caring, uh, Community Book Drive. And if you haven't been uh, to the Discovery Station up there, or you know, I think there's a lot of different Discovery Stations in different uh, towns and whatnot. Uh, well, 
they're all called different things because I think mm-hmm. the one here in uh, Martinsburg is at the train station, yeah, I the, believe. The like Children's the kids, Museum. Or the Kids by George. There you go. And uh, it's just really cool. There's a lot of interactive uh, educational learning things, whether, and it kind of always rotates. So it could be, you know, dinosaurs one day, it could be local history the next, aviation the next day. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be happening the 25th uh, celebration on uh, Sunday, August the 1st. So be on the lookout for that. And it's support of the United Way uh, Day of Caring Community. We should get them on. We could. I I know uh, uh, somebody on the board there, so maybe we can uh, get that person on one of these days. Pull a few strings, right? Yeah, uh, strings that aren't real long because uh, I know them uh, uh, very uh, personally, that is. We we got into a conversation about... um, About movies and I don't know, we were talking about music and things that are popular movies that actually creep people out. You oh, a surprising yeah. one. Well, The Wizard of Oz always creeped me out back in the day. The original Wizard of Oz uh, always creeped me out. But you look at, you watch some of these things, and uh, as a kid, especially the older ones from like the, uh, I don't know, say 30s, 50s, mm-hmm. 40s, and whatnot, uh, you look at the, you're watching them, and as a kid, you think, oh, this is cool. You see like an elephant, or you see like, you're like a lion, you're like, oh, this is pretty neat. But then as an adult, you watch it back, and you're like, goodness, what were these people on when they were <laughs> making these, you know, bringing these ideas up and then making these things? Like the, the original Wizard of Oz is terrifying mm. if you really watch it right and and you understand the context and all of that yeah right. the one that creeps me out and and this is a completely unpopular opinion darby o'gill and the little people like visually and the whole it's just disturbing to me but they all have to watch me. that one what what was the one where uh i think it was a horror movie but they say like one of us one of us oh that's the toy story no no no, no 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 uh-uh. it was uh <laughs> with the little animals in the in the <sighs> claw machine one of us no, okay. Oh, it was a black and white movie. I'll have to try and think of it after the break. But after the break, uh, we have <laughs> Becky Separately, who is uh, a West Virginian and former national president of the League of Women Voters. She'll be calling in uh, to chat with us a little bit and uh, and more here on Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. From Pawpaw to Harper's Ferry, from Martinsburg to Winchester, it's Panhandle Live. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, a full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street, and you can always find them online at SuttonandJanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. If you've missed any of the show so far, it's pretty much just us uh, rambling, uh, talking about different uh, random stuff. We can always listen back to it over on our Facebook page a little bit later on today, but we do have our next guest on the line. It is Becky Sepperly, former national president of the League of Women Voters. How are you doing this morning, Becky? I'm doing well. How about you? Oh, good. Thanks for calling in this morning. Thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. So it, it's timely because the uh, For the People Act is effectively got um, it didn't didn't see the light of day uh, this week as uh, the 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 vote that would have uh, put it on the agenda basically uh, didn't didn't make it through. Uh, so what now? Where, where does election reform head from here? Well, I, I think it was. Um Probably no surprise to people that it that uh, they weren't able to get enough votes to stop the filibuster yesterday. Uh, after there's been so much discussion about it, but one of the good things that happened was the fact that Senator Manchin um, did step up and take a leadership role and uh, did uh, vote at least to discuss the bill. And that's what the vote was yesterday. I mean, it was just to discuss the bill. Um, and unfortunately, um, we didn't have enough. Uh, there weren't enough. Um, Republicans, we need ten to to stop that, 
to stop the filibuster and allow for just debate whether the bill passed or not. But I think that um, this is it's not over. Um, it will come back. I think there will be, it may not look the same. It may not be all that was in the Four People Act, um, but Senator Manchin continues to show leadership and working with um, the uh, Republican senator from Alaska. So that means we need nine Republicans um, to uh, to be able to at least debate the bill. And I, and I think that we'll see voting re- reform come back, uh, but it probably won't look uh, the same. It probably won't have as many you know, many people talk about it being so massive, and it, it was a wonderful uh, piece of legislation to reform the whole system. But I think we'll probably see it come back in a different form. So fair to say you support the For the People Act. What in particular were you hoping would, would have made it through um, that, w- that was part of the act? Well, there were several things that um, we felt were important. Um, one of them is, is uh, same-day registration. Uh, the legal women voters was responsible for the uh, what was called the Motor Voter Act, which allowed us to uh, to register to vote at the DMV and other social service agencies. Uh, and we really like same day registration so that you can vote when you um, I mean you can register when you go vote if you hadn't registered already. And uh, there are about 20 states that that have that system right now. And they do require some sort of voter ID. I mean, when we register to vote in most states, you're required to have ID then, not necessarily at the polls, although now we're seeing more and more of that. I think about 14 states have just now passed legislation requiring some some fairly strict uh, voter ID requirements. Well, you're going to have your voter ID ID at the DMV anyway, (laughs) if that's where you're registering. (laughs) They can make you one right there. That's right. <laughs> and if you don't, they'll make you one. If you don't drive, they'll make you just uh, uh, an ID. Mm-hmm. Right. But, um, but I think in the, in the, roof, in the new bill and, and what we'll look forward in the future will be maybe a little more lenient that you could use like a utility bill or something like that. I think that was um, one of Senator Manchin's um, changes that he suggested. And that, that's so, something that we do here in West Virginia. That when, it, when people go to vote, they can use a utility bill that shows that they are a resident, correct? Right. And we, um, you know, this, there's been some confusion about this legislation and about what Congress can and cannot do. Um, the bills that are passed Congress only deal with the federal election system. So states and, and cities and, and, and so forth would continue to have control of their own election. The provisions in anything passed by Congress would only be for federal elections, and, and that's been found constitutional time and time again. So, but but that being said, that. when there's a federal election, a lot of the times, you know, states have the ballots, you know, down ballot races for their states and municipalities on the same day. And if you're doing a federal election that requires you to mail out you know, whole swaths of ballots to every address, if that was something that got passed in a, in a potential Voting Rights Act, um, and then that takes away some of that choice for states or municipalities, doesn't it? it yes, if you have uh, the federal folks on the ballot, but then most of the time you have um, off-year elections that mm-hmm. don't have federal folks on them, and they can still control those themselves. Um, and in terms of mailing a bunch of stuff out, I don't think we'll see that in any of the legislation that will be proposed in the future. Do you think ballot harvesting will make it through the cut eventually? 
Well, I wouldn't call it harvesting. <laughs> I think, uh, and there were restrictions um, in the bill. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't think that that would be one of the things. Some of the things I think we might might see would be the more a little more lenient uh, on the voter ID. Mm-hmm. Um, election day being a holiday. A federal uh, holiday, and, right? Yes, yes. So people wouldn't have to... Um, have to try to get off work, you know, mm-hmm. to go to go vote, so they could they could go vote without having to worry about whether or not they were going to lose pay or, or whatever. And then I think um, something else, and I think Senator Manchin uh, also supported this, uh, was the uh, 15 days of early voting, so that you have plenty of time if you can't vote in person, that you could go down and vote early. We're speaking with Becky Separately, former national president of the League of Women Voters. Now, for people that might not be familiar with the League of Women Voters, what is it that the League of Women Voters does? Well, actually, we try to get people to vote. <laughs> we uh, we were founded when women got the right to vote. You know, we, um, in 1920, when they the 19th Amendment was passed, uh, we realized that um, there had been lots of attempts to keep people out of the polls. In fact, the registration system was founded in, in 1880 in Massachusetts, and it wasn't to let people vote. It was to keep them vote. So the, the league said, well, you know, we now have the right to vote. We've got to learn how to use it. We've got to make sure we have the ability to use that vote. So it was founded to try to get, and not just women, but everybody, and regardless of how you vote or your political stance. Um, We feel like democracy is only strong when everybody participates. And I'm sure there's a a thought, too, you don't want to have it be such an intimidating process that people are scared away from participating. Exactly. And that was one of the things that they used to use. They used to make it as intimidating as possible so that um, people wouldn't show up. And, you know, Women got the right to vote in 1920, but it was, wasn't until 1980 that we voted, that women voted in the same numbers that men voted. Really? I wasn't aware of yeah. that. Yeah, it, it took us a while. A lot of women felt like, well, you know, they hadn't had the right and they didn't know what it was like. And, and some, frankly, felt like they didn't deserve the right, unfortunately. So, yeah, it took 60 years for the system to uh, kick in for most women. And now, of course, we vote in, in larger numbers than the men. I can believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're speaking with Becky Separately, former uh, national president of the League of Women Voters. If uh, somebody were uh, to be curious about more, you know, with the League of Women Voters or, uh, you know, some of the things that you are supporting, how can they go about finding that information? Well, we have a, a national office in Washington, D.C., and we have, they can get on the uh, Internet and look up League of Women Voters of the United States, or we also have an active uh, League of Women Voters in West Virginia with, again, a, uh, a website and, and Facebook page of the League of Women Voters of West Virginia. Just Google it, and there we are. Perfect. Again, Becky Separately, uh, former national president of League of Women Voters. Unfortunately, we have to go to another break, but uh, thank you for calling in and taking the time today. My pleasure. Have a good one. Take Absolutely, care. Absolutely, you too. Stick around for more here on Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Live, part of the Panhandle story for 75 years, with hosts Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik.
Welcome back to Paint Handle Live, brought to you by Sutton & Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marcia Kavalik. Before the break, we had uh, Becky Sepperly, former national president of the League of Women Voters, for a conversation about uh, voting, of course. So uh, you can always listen back to that over on our Paint Handle Live Facebook page. But joining us in studio, uh, thankfully, is Michael Harp of the uh, Maryland Symphony Orchestra. How are you doing this morning? Great. How are you guys this morning? All doing Good. just fine. Thank you for uh, joining us today. Now, you're in to talk about the Salute to Independence, which is one of the coolest, uh, I think, um, Fourth of July parties, I guess you really want to call it that, uh, <laughs> that has been around. I've been to the one out at the um, Antietam Battlefield before, and we were talking during the break. Uh, why is it that they aren't having or that you aren't having this at the uh, battlefield this year? Well, we're actually really excited for um, the National Park at Antietam because they're getting a brand new visitor center. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of construction going on and it really makes um, both traffic and and, you know, just a lot of other logistical issues. um, It it makes those that that just came to light this year. So we really weren't able to have it at Antietam. So we um, we were kind of looking for alternative venues and. and that's how we ended up landing um, after a, quite the search. Um, we landed at Hagerstone Community College this year. Yeah, it is exciting to have it out there because there's plenty of places, at least for people to park. And I know that that has been an issue with the battlefield, uh, especially clogging up some traffic there on Sharpsburg Pike because so many people uh, go out to watch the uh, Maryland Symphony Orchestra. But uh, what are some of the details about the salute to independence out at uh, the college, Hagerstown Community College this year? Sure. So as you mentioned, it's going to be on Friday, July 2nd this year. Um, and we're still going to try to stick with a, a very traditional program where we'll have a concert beginning at 8 o'clock, um, fireworks at 930 presented by Zambelli's. And um, this year it's going to be because of COVID and because of trying to stay safe and socially distancing and so forth. Um, we are we're, we're actually trying to build like a drive in type of experience um, where we are going to be live streaming the concert and localized around the HCC campus. You'll be able to tune on tune in on multiple radio stations cool. um, and be able to hear it from your car. So what we want you to do is come out with your family this year. Um, get in one of the parking lots, set up your chairs, you know, enjoy some time with family and friends and um, kind of more like a tailgating type of experience. Right. You'll be able to listen to the the concert over the radio or live streaming it on your mobile device. And then ultimately at 930, what everyone has missed so much over the past 14 months is, um, you know, that ability to come together as, as a group of people and just watch these amazing fireworks in the sky. So it's one of the largest fireworks shows in the region, and we're excited to present that at HCC this year. Now, speaking of uh, COVID and the pandemic, last year things were a little different. So uh, how was that logistically, just doing, you know, the uh, live streaming because you couldn't, you know, be in a you know, big field with people. We couldn't be around anybody, really. Right. I mean, we were on lockdown. So um, so we were trying to find a creative solution because this has been a tradition in our region for almost 40 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're at we were at the point where we're just like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Um, we knew we couldn't have the concert and the governor had not lifted the order. So um, so what we decided to do was take a montage of, of all sorts of music that we've played from the past 40 years um, at this event. And we put together kind of a throwback concert where we, we brought together highlights of all this patriotic music and we live streamed that. Um, we had almost 3,000 or more families tuning in um, wow. through the virtual live stream. So we know that this event means a lot to a lot of people, and we wanted to present that. Um, fortunately, we're in a position where we can bring people back together um, in a very safe way this year, and mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to do is, is keep this tradition alive in the region. So, when uh, did you guys start preparing for it? I'm sorry. When no, did fine. you start practicing, rehearsing? Oh, rehearsal for this particular concert that's mm-hmm. happening? They actually won't start rehearsing until next week. 
So um, because they're that. professionals. Absolutely. That's right. What most people don't realize is a professional symphony orchestra. We usually get only four to five rehearsals for any given concert, wow. whether it's Beethoven and Mozart or um, if it's, you know, Sousa and, and whomever else, you know, so it's uh, it usually the orchestra is well prepared. Now, they've had the music for a month, so they, um, they've, they've been practicing at home. They've been practicing at home. But as an ensemble, they won't get together until the first time next Thursday night. Now, how are things at the, I guess, uh, new and improved Maryland Theater uh, over in Hagerstown? Uh, is it is anything different from, I guess, the backstage point of view? Because it looks gorgeous from the outside down. Oh, from everything operates, you know, very, very much normal, you know, on within the auditorium. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't actually touch the auditorium or the stage and so forth. Um, but it's the beautiful frontage, the performing arts center that people experience when they come in. That's pretty amazing. So um, we've had a limited audience this year. We've been live streaming since January um, without an audience. It was really eerie you mean, yeah. being in there and you have the orchestra performing at the end of a number. No one claps. <laughs> so um, live streaming has really presented us with some really interesting um, challenges this year. But um, we did bring back a small audience last month, and it was so nice to have people back in the auditorium. And it was unfortunate. This beautiful performing arts center opened up, and then three months later, we were all sent home and put on lockdown. So mm. not a whole lot of people have the chance have had the chance so far to experience this facility. And we're really hoping that um, that we can get some folks to come back out when they feel safe and, and experience a concert or performance. Now, uh, other than the salute to independence, what are some other things the uh, Maryland Symphony Orchestra has coming up? Maybe uh, this rest of the summer into the fall, any big uh, performances or things like that? Well, the salute is definitely our big summer program. We've mm-hmm. um, we have presented a total of seven concert pairings this year. Um, so we've been busy despite not having you know live audiences in the venue. Um, we do plan to start up again in October um, with a full season this year, um, returning back to full capacity at the Maryland Theater. So we'll be announcing that season very, very soon. We're finalizing some guest artists. Um, but in the meantime, the salute is really our focus. And um, again, we're really excited to have Rachel Potter, who's a Nashville recording artist, joining us this year, performing some numbers. And, um, you know, it's just it's going to be a super duper exciting experience. So um, so we really can't wait to get back on stage. Have uh, Marcia, have you ever uh, watched the Maryland Symphony Orchestra? I have not. There, It's impressive. It's I, impressive. I imagine it's very inspiring this time of year, too, with the salute to independence. It really is. And, you know, it's it's one of our favorite concerts to do every year. It is just absolutely one of our favorites. And uh, we love performing the patriotic music. This year, we're adding that little bit of twist with Rachel joining us, and we'll be doing music from Disney's Frozen and Katy Perry's Firework, and um, we'll have Lee Greenwood's um, God Bless the USA mm-hmm. and a bunch of other numbers. So we're 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 trying to make it a little bit different, um, new venue, new uh, new concert experience, but um, and people will still be able to enjoy it at home. You know, right. if you don't want to come out. We're live streaming it for free to anyone who wants to watch, and it'll be on YouTube. Well, and sh- you mentioned that folks can park around the campus, mm-hmm. and they can tune in on their radios, and of course they'll see the fireworks almost wherever they are. But um, are there specific instructions about where people should be or shouldn't be that day on the campus? Sure. So we're going to open the campus at 6 p.m. that evening, um, and that's when the the gates will open. We're partnering with the Washington County Sheriff's Department to try to control traffic patterns on Robinwood Drive and so forth. So when you arrive, just follow the directions of the the police officers who will be there directing you to the appropriate place to park. Um, you know, and just come and and enjoy and and set up. And it should be a nice evening because it'll be cooler. Nobody we won't have to sit there all day waiting for the concert to begin. So. Um, we're going to try to control those traffic patterns and so forth. But 6 p.m., gates open to be able to go in and park. 
concert at 8, fireworks at 9.30. And then where can people go uh, online to find out some more information if they were uh, curious? Sure. So if you want to get more information about attending the event in person um, or streaming it online, you can go to the official website, which is msosalute.org. Um, so go there, and then next week we'll be posting the link for the live broadcast. You'll be able to go right to that site, and anywhere you are, if you choose not to come out and join us in person, that's okay. You'll be able to watch fireworks from home right in the comfort of your living room through YouTube. Now, uh, in terms of, you know, the COVID protocol and whatnot, is this, you have to like stay in your, you know, little square, maybe in your parking spot with your uh, family or whoever you're with and maybe uh, masks when you're walking around, things like that. Pretty the normal standard stuff. Well, actually, at this point, as of July 1st, um, mm -hmm. all restrictions are being lifted in oh, the state true. of Maryland. Yeah. So you will be able to, um, to freely walk around. Masks are not required. Um, however, because we still realize that COVID isn't 100% COVID isn't behind us, right. um, Meredith Health is actually going to have have a COVID vaccine, um, vaccination clinic on site that evening. So if you'd like to get your COVID vaccine, you can do that while you're there. Um, but we just want you to come out and be safe, um, make good decisions and, you know, but be able to hang out with folks, which we haven't been able to do in a very long time. That's really cool. And I, I'm sure Katy Perry fireworks would be a uh, interesting, well, and very interesting to hear from a uh, orchestra uh, point of view. Is it kind of, is it tough to I guess, translate, you know, a pop song into a uh, orchestra performance? You know, what's interesting is, um, just as a tidbit of information, but um, most pop songs, when they are composed, they were composed with the idea that they would be performed with all of these these instruments, you know, in a full hmm. symphony. That's how most composers will compose music. And then ultimately what you end up hearing on the radio is kind of essentially the watered-down version um, that was designed for studio remastering. So um, whenever we do pops concerts, and you, we, whether it's country music or rock and roll and all those types of things, um, the composer who wrote the, that, those pieces of music had this vision for most of these songs to be performed by orchestra. So we're, we're actually performing the original intent of the song. Wow. That, it reminds me uh, that only a, a small section of people will probably understand the reference I'm about to make, but Nas, a, a hip-hop artist, uh, his album Illmatic, uh, they did uh, a live performance down at the Kennedy Center a couple years ago uh, with the National, or is it is it the National Orchestra? Is that what that would the be? The National called? Symphony. National mm -hmm. Symphony. And uh, it's impressive to hear the just, I guess, the striking difference but similarities mm -hmm. that you make because it just hits you different uh, when you're hearing it from, you know, a full orchestra rather than just somebody on a computer. He's the know, Old Town a, Road guy. No. No? That's, no. Uh-uh. Different guy. Okay. <laughs> That's Lil that Nas X is who you're thinking about. <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, uh, Nas from uh, 90s or early 2000s. Okay, you're going to have to like give me the, the propers Oof. whenever we finish. I'm not, not too sure if that one uh, is up your alley too okay. much there, right. Marsha. Give me the, the kids' bot version. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll play the symphony orchestra version because it's actually really go. cool. Uh, but one more time, can you give people the specifics on the salute to independence that's coming up? Sure. So it's going to be Friday, July 2nd at Hagerstown Community College, a drive-in experience. Gates will open at 6 p.m. Come in, park, and enjoy a, a nice evening with friends and family. Concert will start at 8 o'clock. We'll be live streaming that. Um, and then fireworks at 9.30 p.m. Awesome. Again, we're speaking with Michael Harp from the Maryland Symphony Orchestra talking about the uh, Salute to Independence, which is one of the coolest events uh, in the area every uh, July 4th uh, when that comes back around. And it'll be interesting to see how it is not at the uh, battlefield this year, but, you know, at the uh, college. So they may decide to stay. It might. It would be a lot easier for parking. I'm, uh, I can guarantee that because there are way too many places to park uh, over at HCC. But that'll do it for us today on Panhandle Live. For Marsha Kavalik, uh, Mr. Michael Harp from the Marin Symphony Orchestra, and myself, this has been Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network.
and WCST Berkeley Springs. This is the Panhandle News Network, a West Virginia Radio Corporation station.